Amen. Amen. Maybe we can put the mic a little bit softer. Otherwise, people are going to think I'm screaming at them. Way softer. There we go. Great. As Ulrich and the Fries said, my name is Henry. I serve as one of the elders in this congregation alongside Mac Godfrey and Leonard that's somewhere here. And I must say, I am extremely excited um, just for this message because I, I truly, yeah, just in my preparation, I feel I found the Father's heart for us as a congregation. And I don't take that lightly. And I don't take this message lightly. And I don't take this even time lightly um, of bringing God's word. And I trust even during this time that there would be a something that happens in our heart. And I believe it's something that God wants to come and encourage us in, exhort us in. And I heard an Englishman once said a fancy word called provoke, that he wants to come and provoke and stir up something in our hearts um, for the king and the kingdom. And just some things in my preparation that I'm trusting for is actually a fresh commitment to God, a fresh commitment as we start off the year to come before the Lord and say, I commit my ways again before you, Lord. And I want to say even publicly, to publicly commit your ways before God, because God says in his word that if we acknowledge God before man, he will acknowledge us before the Father. But if we deny him before men, he will deny us before the Father. So it's a heavy thing actually to, to acknowledge God before people. I'm trusting for a spiritual awakening and actually a something that would happen in our hearts to take God seriously again. Not just that church will be church again in um, that every week I'm coming and I'm, I'm watching the worship and I'm rating it out of a six out of a ten. And yeah, that was great. He missed two or three words there or the sound wasn't great. And, but get, taking God seriously again, coming before him and saying, God, I'm here for you and you alone. What about the worship? It was anyway not for you. It was for him. So we're trusting for, for taking of seriousness of God again and aligning our hearts with the King. And I'm trusting that as we walk out here, that we would actually have something in our hearts of obedience to say, God, is there something that you want me to be obedient towards you to? And to open our hearts and say, God, I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to take your kingdom forward. I'm ready to open my heart and to be obedient, to align myself with the King and the kingdom. Amen. Father, I pray that your spirit will move. Father, I know that I know that I know that you have more for us in Christ Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to pray, I'm going to preach this evening on God, your heart. I'm going to speak about the heart. And you can't see that there, but it's God, your heart. Um, and I want to read for us Proverbs 4, verse 23, that says the following. And we're going to be a lot in the scripture this afternoon. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from that place. This is, um, Martha spoke about Solomon, and Solomon in the Bible is known as the wisest man to ever have lived. And by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this wise man has written this little verse or this little sentence, and he said to take it quite serious, and we need to take it quite seriously because it's from God, that above everything else, guard your heart. And it's such a big statement. It's such a big thing. And I'm, I'm sometimes, I wonder why did God put that little bit in the Bible? Why did God come and say, why is your heart such a high priority? 
And secondly, if it's such a high priority, is it something that we need to take a bit more seriously? Or is there something that we need to consider and ask, God, what do you intend with the scripture um, this evening? But before we need to get to that, we actually need to ask the question, what is the heart? What is the heart that the Bible speaks about? Because I can promise you um, that predominantly in Scripture, the Bible does not refer to the heart as the organ that you have in here. It is not the thing that pumps through blood, although it might be somewhere in the Bible, but it does not primarily refer to that. Secondly, it does not refer to the shape of a heart that you see on Valentine's Day and you and Liffy go to a big tree and you carve out a heart in the tree and you write your initials and her initials. I know um, Jock has probably done that before because he, yeah, and probably Leon as well, Telana laughing. And they engage now and they write it there. And although that is extremely, oh, look, it's not what the Bible is referring to. But when it comes to the heart, the Bible actually refers to the core of a person's very being. Or how I see it sometimes, it's the operation room of who you are as a person, that everything flows from that place. That the Bible actually, as a, as a symbol, it's, it's a symbol of the entire person or the very being of a person is called the heart. But with that, we see a, a lot of almost definitions that shape what the heart is. And firstly, we can see that the heart is the operational room of our attitudes and our emotions. I don't know if you know the Afrikaans word, heartseer, or heartache. It speaks about a sad emotion that comes from the heart. I love that word. Um, but it, it speaks about in the depths of who we are comes sadness out of our heart. So it speaks about emotions and attitude. Next, the heart is the place of decisions that leads to action. Matthew 15, 19 says, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, idolatry, sexual immorality, and so on. So ultimately, from the heart, it leads into action. Next, we see that the heart is actually the place of the thoughts, as we saw in that previous scripture. But also in Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. As a man or woman thinks in his heart, so they are. So the thoughts is the place of the heart as well. And lastly, the heart is the operational room actually of our belief and sometimes the basis of our doubts. And we find that in um, Proverbs 14, 1 says, Only fools say in their heart that there is no God. So our very belief system and the core of what we believe and who we are comes from the heart. So why is this such a high priority and why should it be such a high priority for us? Good question. Once again, coming back to Proverbs 4 verse 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart from everything you do flows from it. Out of the depth of this operational room, the core of who you are, if that place is healthy, you will have healthy thoughts, attitudes, actions, and beliefs. If, if the core, if your heart is healthy, the outflow of your life will be healthy. But if our hearts are corrupt and far from God and far from um, the way in, of the kingdom, we will have corrupt thoughts, corrupt um, attitudes, actions, and belief. Matthew 5 verse 8, and I just want to add this as well, as I was just going into what the heart means, I saw 
Jesus referring to the heart, and this is such a key scripture for us actually as well tonight. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God takes the heart and he says, I will put a direct connection between a pure heart and how you see me. And if the heart is not pure, you will struggle to see God. And if you have a pure heart, you will see God in your life. And sometimes it's not always a difficult season, but sometimes a corrupt heart. And that's why we struggle to see the Lord in our lives. Thus, it is a big deal, the heart, the being, the core, the very center of who we are. You guys awake? Feel okay? Hallelujah. So I don't just want this to be another message or something that we like, oh, now I understand what the heart means or what it is. Great, great teaching, Andrei. Let's move on from here. But I do trust that it actually would be more like a heart surgery this evening that we can go into the depths of what God is not only asking of us, but actually that we would see the depths of our heart. And I want to ask us a couple of questions. Firstly, how is your heart tonight or this afternoon, almost evening? Do you have a healthy heart? Or is there a sense of turmoil or a lack of peace when you would truly go deep in the core of your being? Because it says in Scripture, in Romans specifically, that without God, we won't have peace. But now that we've been reconciled to Him, we will have peace. Is there a lack of peace? How is your heart doing? Is your heart right with God? I know we are at church, and we have a church service, and we worship, but sometimes we do the right things, but is our heart right with the Lord? And if in any way, shape, or possible means we can supernaturally go into your heart and look at it and put a camera there, and all of us can look at the screen and the projector, and we can project your heart up there, what will we see when we see your heart and my heart? What will we see? Because the, the Bible says that there's something extremely wrong with our hearts. Do you guys know that? And it says that we actually have a deep embedded virus in our operational room. And it's called sin. And sin is such a tricky thing because it infiltrates every area of who we are. And we find that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they, they chose independence from God rather than dependence on the Lord, and they chose a corrupted heart over a pure heart, and they found themselves not seeing the Lord anymore and hiding rather than beholding. So we find even in Romans 1, um, oh, I love Romans 1, 2, and 3, but Romans 1 specifically, actually, it's a picture I want to say actually a prophetic picture that speaks into our society because Romans 1 actually speaks about when a people group or when a society closes their hearts from God. And why I say it's a prophetic picture because it was written about 2,000 years ago. But if you read Romans 1, it feels like you're reading 2024 newspaper. All of it, it's there. It's happening today. Why? Because history repeats itself. People turning away from God will ultimately lead to sin, will lead to death. 
So why am I going into the depravity and the brokenness and the depths and I feel so guilty and like, oh, my heart and like, you know, what's going on? I think it's so important for us to recognize how deeply corrupted we are to be able to behold how good God is. Because sometimes, and I think mostly our society is very humanistic and focus on the people and say the people are actually in the very core good that make bad choices. I want to say, no, our roots is extremely corrupted, and that's why we make bad decisions. We are not naturally good people. I have a four-month-old baby. Hallelujah. <laughs> I had to check before I came in here, do I have drool or milk on my shoulder? I was fine. I was clean. That child is extremely cute and ex extremely selfish at exactly the same time. Leonard's child is like from heaven, Ellie. When my child wants milk, she wants it yesterday. And she screams and she shouts and she goes crazy. She's not naturally like, mommy, take your time, eh? We are naturally corrupted. But the thing is, it's easy to look at the, the society and see, yo, there's bad people outside there. Or to look at the people in your community or cell group that Mac was referring to and say, yo, that guy needs Jesus. I will be praying for his heart to be softened. And it's sometimes difficult to see your own heart. Even if somebody comes and I can ask all of you to, to explain to me, there's this guy named Ulrich. How does he look? No, it's a big guy. His legs grow every week. Uh, he's quite tall. And then I'm like, yo, that's a warped looking guy. Like big legs, tall. But you will get some picture, but you won't get the full picture of who Ulrich is. Even if somebody at the base tried to explain it. Likewise with the heart. You can try to dissect and go deep in there. It's difficult. The only way we can know it is to look in a mirror. And in James, it speaks about that the Scriptures, the Bible, is a mirror for us. That as we look into the Scripture, you can completely see actually who you are and what you are. So let's look at the Scripture. And what does the Bible say? And I'm quickly going to go through this. What does the Bible say about the heart? Firstly, what the Bible says that the heart devises wicked schemes. In another translation, it speaks about wicked imagination. So ultimately, the heart is wicked, but the thoughts is also wicked and perverted. So I want to ask, how's your imagination? What do you think about when you are alone? Now it's quiet in here. <laughs> but what do you think about when you are alone? Where does your thoughts drift? What do you think about when you think about other people? When you think about when somebody does something against you? Then our hearts get challenged and we come to the depths of our core of what we really believe. Secondly, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, this is an extremely depressing verse. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? When God looks at man's heart, it says, without cure, broken, deceived. Thirdly, what the Bible says about the heart, and this is probably my scariest scripture, Matthew 15 verse 8 says the following, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. What the Scriptures is saying in this moment is that we can come on a Sunday, we can have warm and passionate worship while you have a cold heart. That's what the, how I interpret that. 
that we can, the exterior can look like you love God and do all the right things and even come to church and even be in a charismatic church like Josh Jane because everybody wants to be in Josh Jane. It's a healthy church and we're moving forward and there's prophecy about growing and, I'm, we, and we get caught up with the momentum that you can have a cold heart in a warm church. Fourthly and lastly, and maybe just to add, God does not desire for us to have a cold, wicked, broken, corrupt heart. He desires fellowship with us. He desires intimacy with us. He desires when you wake up every morning to open your eyes and say, good morning, Jesus. That there's a sense of fellowship and love and intimacy and without the brokenness, but we need to recognize that the state of our heart is not naturally, kumbaya, I wake up, memory verse, everything is amazing. I wake up naturally opposing God. Lastly, I want to say, and I have read the scripture in Matthew 15, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, idolatry, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. And ultimately what the Bible is referring to here is actually that it's not only corrupt actions, but it comes from a place. It comes from your heart. That it's not just that you gossip for the sake of gossiping, but there's something corrupt in the heart. Hallelujah. So we need to trust for something this afternoon. We need to trust the Lord and come before Him and say, God, I need a heart's transformation and not come into 2024 and just behavior modification. Because what we do is we pluck on the exterior and look great before people, but when we get alone with the Lord, we know there's distance. The bridges is not there. It's weak. It's, it's difficult. And we can almost, some, we grow up, I grew up in a family like that, that when something difficult happens, we take the carpet and we throw it over that situation, never to speak about it anymore. And I think sometimes we've grown up that way when it comes to God. No, if I, if I just do the right things, but we never deal with what truly goes on in the operational room. And that's the very thing. God sent the law. The law was perfect. It was good. It was from God. And they took the law and they put it on a people called Israel. And when the world looked at Israel, they said, whoa, they are so different of the rest of mankind. The way these people do life is just different. But the law, although perfect, was limited. It was limited because it could never change a heart. It could only change behavior. We need the new law, the law of the Spirit that the New Testament speaks about, to come into our hearts, to change us from the inside out, and no longer just to try to love, but you want to love. No longer just try to be kind, but you just, you are kind. Why? There's a new law that's written on your heart. And the world struggles with that, and that's to my next point, we're almost finished. What solution should we turn to for our hearts? Because the world struggles with that because we always try to fix the exterior. Just try harder and, and do more things for God, and somewhere down the line you will change. Every time in the beginning of the year we have this list for God and say, I will fulfill it, I will fulfill it, I will fulfill it. And the only thing that is Actually, the same on that list is I. I will. I will. Me, myself, and I. The unholy trinity. It's all about us. 
And the world writes books like become 1% better. It will have this accumulation effect and one day you'll be perfect. And it doesn't work. If we look just at the newspaper and we look at the confusion in, in sexuality and we look at uh, abortion rates and we look at the divorce rates and things like that, and even the divorce rates is actually looking better in 2023. Why? Because people don't get married anymore. So it looks great. Why? We don't believe in marriage anymore. We don't believe in commitment anymore. We, we just leave all of God's things and do it our way. So how do we fix a heart? The, the solution for a broken and corrupt heart is God. It's God. Ezekiel 36 verse 26. It's a great scripture to memorize if you want to. It says the following. I, and that is God, it refers to God. The answer lies with God. I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The solution for a corrupt and broken heart is Christ. It's Jesus, actually. It's not our works that we may boast. It is not coming to a church. It's not even reading your Bible. Although all of those things are great. But the solution and the answer for broken and corrupt hearts hearts of God. The scripture primarily or initially would refer to people that do not know Jesus. And we might be sitting here and I won't even take it for granted. As I was praying, I'm like, it might be that some of us are even in leadership in this church. You've been serving the Lord with your lips. You've been doing all the right things exteriorly. But we can never know what's in the heart. It's only God that knows what's in the heart. So I want to say, if you do not know Christ, you still have a stony heart. That you will struggle to grasp the things of God. That there will always be a distance between you and the things of the Lord. There will always be a sense of, I don't understand. I just can't grapple with this. It always feels like, like other people are having the fun and the worship and the things, and there's a distance, and that turmoil that I spoke about, that is a stony heart. And God wants to take that out. His desire, Scripture says, is for all men to be saved. His desire is to change the heart. We should just come before Him and say, God, I repent. Turn away and turn towards you. Turn away from my old life. But I do think this, this can apply also for the believer. Because these areas in your life, if we would go truly deep and dissect it, there's rocky areas in our life. There's areas that we do not look like Jesus. It's not, there's areas that we do not yield to God fully yet. And I believe it's from God that our hearts are so receptive to good and bad, actually. That it's so soft and so teachable and so easily actually persuaded because when it is turned for the good, it's easily obedient to the things of God. The things of the kingdom grow quickly in that place. But likewise, with sin, it grows quickly like a wildfire. So I want to say that what you sow into your heart, you will reap. What you sow in your heart, you will reap. If you sow jealousy, you will feel that thing rise up that you've felt a lot in high school. 
thing of always turmoil. There's always somebody looking at you, that insecurity. If you sow fleshly things, you'll reap fleshly things. But there's something if we sow kindness and love and we sow servanthood and humility that will reap a kingdom harvest in our hearts. So what are you sowing in your heart? In the holiday, I actually forgot my rock, um, like physical rock. <laughs> I was, I was, we were on holiday and house sitting a house in Wellington, and I was taking time to, um, yeah, just spend time with the Lord in my 14 minutes that I had opened that day because me, I was crazy that day specifically. And as I was spending time with the Lord, um, He reminded me of two individuals that was in my community in Wellington. And I was, before I came to Stellenbosch, I was in Josh in Wellington and worked there and studied there and all of those different things and led a community. And these two individuals was in my group that I led. And after we have left, these two individuals started to pull away from church. Not immediately, but gradually. And I started to hear from this. We started to reach out to them. What's going on? Is everything all right? Um, we love you. What's happening? And then what started to happen is they, some way, shape, or form, they got offended with us. They didn't reply our messages. And something started to happen throughout the course of last year that I'm, I started to withdraw a little bit. I'm like, you see, we can only do that much with them. They rejecting us the whole time. They're pushing us away the whole time. It's just not working. And I even justified my actions and said, we can only take what did they say, a horse to the water, but we can't make them drink. And then I heard the Lord speak to me and say, Henry, how many times have I brought you to the water and you're not drinking? How many times have I pursued you and you're just standing there and you're doing nothing? You have closed off your heart. And, and I immediately um, took my phone and I went out and I, they were away on vacation, but I felt I needed to do it there and then. And I sent them a long voice note, actually repenting, saying sorry. And as I was busy sending the recording, I saw this rock, and it just caught my eye. Stopped the recording, I redid it again, and I picked it up, and I felt the Lord speak to me. And he said, Henry, that's your heart. You have sowed some things in your heart. You've sowed and taught your heart how to withdraw with one person, with two people. But what you're busy doing is you're reaping it with all the others. Because God was busy working in that moment with me, and I was doing quiet time about love and saying, God, why do I struggle to be warm and fuzzy? Why do I struggle to just express love? It just feels like there's always a distance and say, Henry, you've taught your heart to do that. You've taught not to love. You've taught that it's easy when somebody just turns that you reject them, and you're just like, oh, whatever. They anyway don't want to come to church. They anyway this, they anyway that, and I started to teach myself not to love, teach myself not the ways of the kingdom, and I was sowing things, corrupting seeds into, and it was choking the life of God. Not only I was sowing it into one area, but it was influencing way, way wider than that situation. What are you sowing? What am I sowing? What are we going to sow during this year? I want to end off... It's a little bit practical with 10 things, okay? We still have an hour and a half, right? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm just going to read it. But 10 things that would be great to sow into your heart this year. 
tending the garden of your heart. Number one, repent quickly. Number two, forgive immediately. Number three, love wholeheartedly. Number four, give generously. Number five, encourage passionately. Number six, pray continually. Number seven, read thoroughly the scriptures. Number eight, meditate intently on the Lord. Number nine, get quiet regularly. And lastly, listen obediently. Let's stand. I'm going to ask Nico and them to come to the front. Um, but like I said in the beginning, there were certain things that, I, that, that I'm trusting for. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask um, for a response for us this afternoon. And what I want to do is I want to ask for two different... Um, I see everybody is writing down the list. I will send it on a group. <laughs> um, I want to call for two different groups um, this afternoon. The one is for probably for some of us, maybe, I don't know. But as I was speaking, I was, spoke, I was speaking about a heart that was corrupted and far from God, possibly in turmoil and lack of peace. Speaking about a heart, and when I asked the question, is your heart right with God? There might have been something in your heart like, I don't know. I don't know if my heart is right with the Lord. It might even be that for the totality of your life, there, is, there has been a sense that you have been a good person, that you've even called yourself a Christian. You've been doing the right things. and You've been doing lip service to the Lord in the form of doing, in a sense, the Christian life, coming to church memorizing John 3.16 and some other verses, knowing how to act and be in a church. But it's said that when, in, in the book of Acts, when Peter brought the word, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. They were cut to the very core of their being, and they said, what must we do, Peter. And I trust and I'm hoping and I'm asking for the first group, as I was sharing, was there maybe something in your heart of a cutting to the heart and knowing that you are in turmoil and in distance from God and you actually do not know Christ? The solution is God in the person of Christ Jesus that died on the cross, but not only dying on the cross for the sake of dying, but dying on the cross for your sins. And sins is the things that separate you from God. And Him taking that punishment on Himself, that no longer you need to die and be separated from God. But as we accept this gift, not by means of works, not by means of earning it, but by means of grace, we can say, God, here I am. And as we accept the free gift of salvation, the Bible calls you can be born again which is the process of taking out the stony heart and putting in the heart of flesh 
being reconciled, brought back to God. No longer separated from God, but reconciled back to Him. But not only to Him, but to a body, to a church, to a people. Let's close our eyes maybe for this, and then I'm going to speak to those that know Jesus. If that's you, what I just shared was the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. If this is good news to you, and you know that you need this news, <laughs> you need that gift, and you do not know Jesus, all eyes are closed, but I do need a response. And I said in the beginning that we need to confess him before men, and he will confess us before the Father. So if that's you and you do not and you feel that separation, you say, I want to make right with God. Or you might have had a relationship with the Lord in the past, but you know you've drifted far away. I would love to pray for you. Would you just by show of hands or any way, shape, or form that I could see um, indicate that to me? Are there anyone like that? Would, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Can we have some people get around them? they at the back and they. I just want to pray, but ultimately at the end, I would love those that are around them to, to pray, um, to pray um, with them and that they would pray because ultimately it's your confession and not my confession alone. But if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And your heart will bear much fruit. So, Father, I want to trust for these individuals. The heavens rejoice in their life, Lord. Father, we thank you that you are good. And, Father, I thank you that you do not leave us in our corruption. You do not leave us in our sin. You do not leave us at the place of a stony heart. But, Father, you make it soft. You take out. You don't just patch it up. You make it new. You make it new. And, Father, I thank you for their lives Father, I trust for the embrace of God, that there will be closeness, restoration, reconciliation back to the Father, no longer serving the world, but serving Christ, serving Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your work of your Spirit in them. Amen. And for the rest of us, this is amazing. Hallelujah. Let's give them a hand. This is really amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. <laughs> For the rest of us, what, I'm, what I want to ask is we're going to respond in worship, but what are we responding to? We are responding to what I spoke about in the beginning of a, maybe a fresh commitment. And as I was speaking, to open your heart to what is God telling you? What are some of the seeds as, as a believer that you've sown gossip, slander, maybe just closing off your heart, that there's been a sense of just, oh, in this area, lovelessness, and you need to repent and say, God, come and mold me again. Come and take out that, that stony, hardened bit. The Bible speaks about that we can harden our heart, that we would say, God, I repent. I turn from this, and I come soften me up again. And that we will respond in worship, but it's a, it's a work of God. 
like the Ezekiel scripture said, it's a work of God that softens up a heart again. It's not by works or trying better or now I'm going to love extravagantly again. God, help me to love. Help me to pray. Help me to do all of these things. It comes and flows from a place. Amen. So I'm going to ask the band to, these guys look like you want to share prophetic and things. Is it fine? Um, so we're going to respond in worship. If we can come, if those that want to respond, respond physically. Respond coming forward, not of having a lot of people in front, but of a place of, God, I want to respond. A place of, I'm taking a deliberate action physically even to say, I'm here for you, Lord. Amen. So let's worship together one more song uh, before we close.